Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Enterprise Sales Development Podcast, brought to you by Science Technologies. We interview outbound leaders at fast-growth businesses to learn their secrets and bring you actionable insights. Thanks for joining us this week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Enterprise Sales Development. I'm your host, Eric Quanstrom, the CMO at Science. Today's guest, super excited to have her. Uh, she was vivacious and insightful. And, and I think you guys are going to find her infectious, in fact, listening to some of the insights that Parveen Marrero brings forward. Now, Parveen's been in the space, the sales development space, for quite a while now and began her career in, on the sales side at Workfront, now Adobe, um, spent time as the sales development manager at TalkDesk, then actually led sales development over at Service Titan and is currently the director of sales development at Closed. Great, great companies all. And ones that are probably very familiar to normal listeners uh, on the space. At any rate, the conversation that we have is chock full of kind of like best practices and ways to be thinking about your SDR team. Some of the things that work has worked uh, for Parveen before. Some of the skill sets that she hires for and, and looks deeply into even some of the interview questions that will help pull out some of her secret sauce, so to speak, in any of her team members. So really good interview here for other sales development leaders and managers who want to run a tight ship, identify the right talent, and ultimately get them highly productive on your team. So without further ado, here she is, Parveen Marrero. So we're back with Praveen Marrero. And Praveen, you know, you've you've got uh, some great experience. You're, you're now the director of sales development over at Closed. Prior to that, you'd had some really interesting stops at Service Titan and TalkDesk. Um, you know, companies that, frankly, in the in the SaaS space, everyone's familiar with, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and brands that that we all know. Tell us a little bit about what got you into sales development in the first place. It actually stems at Workfront. So my leadership started at TalkDesk, but I really heard great things about Workfront when, you know, I think it was like seven, eight years ago. And I was getting out of like solar sales. And um, I decided I was like, I wanna, I wanna work at Workfront. And kid you not, I think I applied three times, three or four times. And I think that was the resilience of potentially a little bit of the BDR personality in me. Third time's and, a charm. There you go. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the yeah, the third time I, I, you know, went through it, I really studied a little bit about the role, right? Like how does it differ from solar sales and tech sales? And um, I was like, you know, I can do it. I think I'm a firm believer if you tell yourself you can do it, you'll do whatever it takes to get there and to be successful. And um, so I got into the role and I'm like, oh, sales development, that's sounds easy enough. And back then, um, we didn't even really have like a enablement team. So it was like, hey, here's the workfront product. And um, here are the basics of how to sell and uh, get on the phones. To say that I was a little overwhelmed would be an understatement. But what I decided to do is just look at the leaderboard, right? Like who is performing and who do I want to exemplify and replicate? And um, I found her and I was like, I want to, I just want to study you for the next week and just take it and put my own spin into it. 
And my first month, I hit 265% to my number. And I was like, okay, I think I can do this. Like, this isn't bad. So I took a week off, learned very early in my career that a week is a long time in the SDR role. Like, that is potentially building your whole pipeline again. Um, Unfortunately, that second month, learning the hard way, I think I hit like 80% to my number. And obviously, I think the outputs are something that I talked to my team about today is the most important thing when you're an SDR. And so I doubled my outputs and was back at 100%. And then after that, just over retaining month over month, was in my SDR role for about 18 months, was kind of like a team lead that last six months, was a CGG rep. So at that time, it's client growth. Loved it. But back in the day, which is not even far, we had to like travel to our respective like territories. And a mother of two, I think, and you'll find out a little bit during this, the time that we talk, my kids are my number one reason to be successful and and to show to them that like hard work pays off and to yeah. be away from them that long, it was like really, really hard. Um, and I told I talked to my husband, I said, you know, like when it makes sense, I kind of want to pivot into leadership which starts at talk desk. So grew that team from about five to 65 right before leaving. We had a team in EMEA. Um, I actually helped build out the whole Canadian team on the SDR side. There was no team there. Um, We started off as having an RVP over there, which I worked very closely with, and um, just really build out the profile we were looking for and grew the team within, I think, I think it was like three to four months um, getting them ramped up to about seven SDRs. I was on my way to becoming a director, but obviously, you know, leadership changes were there and understood that, you know, with new leadership coming in, there's people that they're going to bring on, which no hard feelings, totally get it. Decided to take on a role at Service Titan to really like understand more of the SMB mid-market space because I've never been, I've always been enterprise. I loved it. I, I've learned so much on like the commercial residential side, the trades, and how we cater to different uh, verticals. And it is a very complex sell. So that kind of taught me a lot about ICP and ACP, which is like acceptable customer profile, right? And how important it is to always try to target ICP because there's a higher chance of converting and closing. And I actually was not even looking to move to close but I had a recruiter reach out to me that I used to work with at TalkDesk and asked me, hey, like, I think you could do what you did at TalkDesk here. And decided after a few attempts that she reached out to me to kind of jump the gun and see if it was a good fit. And really, really connected with the founders and the people that I would have worked with or will be working with, should I say, and my VP. Like, we were all very aligned and succinct. And I think that normally leads to a very successful team to be able to have transparency, candor, and to be able to come up with a way to execute. And it was probably one of the warmest welcomes I've ever had in any company. Wow! I accepted. And before I even started, I was invited to their summer party. And I did not feel like an outsider I was very welcomed and it was probably the best feelings I've ever had. Joining a company, it's a little bit intimidating, right? You're like, am I going to like the people I work with? Did I make the right decision? I was pretty happy where I was at. 
Um, but to say the least, it was probably one of the best decisions I've made thus far. That's great. And and what a great, like succinct kind of overview of, of a number of different stops with kind of rich tapestry, probably to each one of them. One of the places I'd love to dive in a little bit more by way of summary is the difference between kind of like working a patch of of prospects that is enterprise versus say SMB. Um, yeah. Since you've done both and done both at a you know a pretty high level, I'd love to get your perceptions of of which you know which you prefer, and with some of the major differences you think are are present <laughs> penetrating small versus big companies. I think I have enterprise near and dear to my heart. I love it. Um, I started there as an SDR. Um, I'll, I'll talk about the differences a little bit, at least from my perspective. Enterprise is very much more of a, a strategic approach, right? You have to do the research on your prospect, on the company, really understand the personas that we're reaching out to, what do they care about, and really building that rapport, like social selling, right? I'll talk a little bit about this later, but Rex um, Galbraith in consensus. He's the CRO over there. He came and talked to our team during SKO. And the one thing that stuck out to me, which is why I like enterprise so much, is he was like, I have much more respect for an SDR to um, engage with my content after they've maybe before or after that they've connected with me, build that rapport a little bit, put a face to a name rather than sending out um, a LinkedIn connect and then pitching right away. Right? right, so that's why I love enterprise. SMB is a little bit different, right? It's more transactional. Um, mm-hmm. At least at service time, it was. It's such a complex sale. <laughs> there was commercial, there was residential, and there was enterprise, and every single one of those had very strict ICP as to what the SDRs had to find, and it's not so much of the excitement of going on LinkedIn and seeing what what these business owners care about, although you would have those conversations on the phone, right? It's more transaction. It's not so much of the research aspect of it. Although I did really enjoy my time and like understanding it, it something was kept telling me like, this is this is not for you. Like enterprises, a hundred percent like your craft and you have the most experience in it. And so that's I think another reason why I really leaned on to close because like I did really well in that role. And not so much that I didn't want to challenge myself. I felt very challenged um, at service tie-in, but it's just different. Yeah. And you know, you're selling to the trades, which <laughs> if you sell into any IT department, they're probably as dry as an IT department, right? Like they want it to the point, don't waste my time. Nope, I don't need it. I don't need it, right? Like, even though it's going to improve efficiency in your office and for the reps outside on the field, but uh, I don't, I don't need it. We're we're good working with spreadsheets, so it's it's a different approach for sure. And I think at the end of the day, with any sale, you need to really understand the prospects that you're outreaching to and and connecting with on a personal level, so that you can actually have meaningful conversations rather than putting your product first, because that. I've never really seen that work, especially with what we're going through now, right? During an economic downturn. Yeah, I think that that's a habit that's (laughs) worthwhile for everyone to get in, which is put yourself second. Put yourself out of the hero role. Put yourself into the guide role, best case scenario, and lead with prospects and and their problems, pain points, needs. You know, 
what they're trying to attain, right? Absolutely. So use the word, and I love this word. I'm a huge fan of it, and I use it all the time myself. Um, Use the word craft. What does that mean to you? Being able to be yourself, first of all, right? Like you have your own craft. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially in an SDR role, you have to be able to be personable and connect in your own way. I was actually talking to a leader about this um, early this week about talk tracks. I don't think that you can really perfect your craft if you are relying on a talk track. Because at the end of the day, every person that you talk to is going to be different. So you have to understand the personas that you're reaching out to. And so I think craft also means how are you reaching out to your clients? How are you connecting with them on a personal basis? How are you trying to bridge the gap between how you can help them having those prescriptive conversations and personalizing your outreach to ensure that they know that you're not just reaching out to 50 or 60 people, you're personally reaching out to them because you know there's a problem that you can solve. Um, so I, hopefully that answers your question a little bit, but I think that that's, that's how I look at it when it comes to craft. Yeah, I, I think the, the part that really kind of hit home too is, is owning not a script or a talk track because <laughs> it's kind of funny, right? Like what's one of the biggest criticisms, especially on the phone channel, that one can lay at the feet of an SDR? Oh, they sounded robotic. They sounded scripted. Yep. Right, which will usually earn you a lot of like hangups, to be perfectly honest, because totally. who has the time? <laughs> yeah. And it just it feels really fake, right? Like yeah. if someone calls you, I and you just want to have a conversation with me, I'm more than open to having a conversation. I'll say this too. Like I am normally a leader that I, you know, I respect the grind of the SDR org. I would argue that that is probably the hardest job in any company. And I will always take a call if I know that you truly are reaching out to me for a reason, if you're just sounding robotic and there's not really like um, a first 30 seconds to like catch my attention, then I'm probably not going to really talk to you, right? I'm going to brush you off and say, hey, like I'm busy, right? Hey, I'm, I'm with my family. I try to not take calls with my family, but if I know that it's top of mind and they were able to like really hook me, I'm happy to have a 10, like five to 10 minute conversation, right? And then say, hey, with my family right now, send me some times. I'm happy to like deep dive into this a little bit deeper next week. Yeah, I think that's fair. And and I would actually even go a step further and and assert that I think there's a lot of execs that respect that grind, that have a lot of kind of like empathy towards people that don't come off as if they are treating that exec like a number. Absolutely. You know, where, where it's like, I think Dale Carnegie might have said this over 100 years ago, but interested is interesting. And when you break that cardinal rule by talking all about yourself or being me-focused, it just kind of dooms that interaction to failure, regardless of channel, email, phone, LinkedIn. Yeah. And I always tell my team about the analogy, right? Like when you go to a doctor's office, they're not prescribing you medicine just to prescribe it to you. (laughs) Right? Like realistically, they're trying to figure out where are your pain points that you can solve, or where they can solve, should I say. And so, you know, they're going to start asking open-ended questions, right? I always tell my team to ask TED questions, which is tell me, explain to me, and describe to me. And if they say, okay, tell me a little bit more about your symptoms. 
Okay, explain to me how long has this been going on, right? Mm. Treat the conversation that you're having with your prospects, especially on Enterprise Outbound, as if it's a doctor's office, as if it's a consultative approach, as if you're putting them in front of the company that you're selling for. Because then you're just trying to diagnose what the true pain point is rather than just trying to set the meeting, which I, I don't think is effective. There's many times I'll do call call listings with my SDRs and I'm like, hey, what what did you do wrong here? Right? Like I don't like to give the feedback first. I want to also say like, hey, what did you think you did right here? Where do you think you could have improved? And then before I give any feedback, I want to just make sure they're self-aware of like, hey, I could have done this better. Um, or I did really well here. And then I'll give my feedback after, right? I'll say, hey, this is where we missed an opportunity. There's no reason to ask for a meeting if you if they don't see the value, right? They have to see the value. They don't see the value, they'll they'll book the meeting, but they won't come, right? That's a no-show yep. and that hurts our stick rate. Yeah. Boy, truer words have never been spoken. And I'm wondering if, because I think that this would be useful for the audience, um, especially with regards to maybe you dip into role play with with closed, um, work a little Ted magic on on that next step in the role play of what that might sound like in in a real life situation for closed. I think a lot. You can also say, um, tell me a little bit about your process when it comes to win loss analysis. Right? We talk to product marketers, we talk to customer success teams, we talk to sales teams. So what we can do when we talk to a sales leader is. Hey, can you describe to me what your sales cycle looks like? Um, can you tell me a little bit more about where are some of the gaps that you're seeing during your process? You know, how many deals are you currently running in a every, like every month? What does that look like on a deal site like size? Do you have 30 deals coming in every month? Do you have 60 deals coming in every month? Because we have to identify ICP versus, you know, I would say UCP. And that's kind of what. Rex Galbraith, as I mentioned earlier, he's a CRO over at Consensus. And he used clothes, actually, very interestingly enough, to identify IC ICP versus UCP. So UCP, they um, labeled it as unideal customer profile versus nice. ideal customer profile. And they were going through their win-loss data and they were identifying like why they were losing, right? And a lot of it was shown by not really... Um, targeting your ideal customer profile, right? And identifying ideal versus unideal really helps your sales team, even your marketing teams and your product teams really position the product. And I felt like that was really interesting. And what's even more interesting that he brought up that I didn't even think about as a leader is we come up with like an executive summary that really pinpoints why they won, why they lost, where they can improve. And he's able to honestly just give that over to their board and say, hey, this is what we were able to gather. It's concise. It's insightful. And it really gives the board the understanding of, hey, these are the things that we need to focus on this year, which I think is why win-loss is very valuable, right? I, I don't think we haven't really made made it a prior... Well, we are trying to, right? But we haven't really made a category out of it, but we're getting there. Yeah. And I think people, especially now are seeing how important it is now more than ever, we need to win, right? So what are the roadblocks that we're going through that we need to figure out why we need to win or lose, whether that's on a product standpoint, whether that's on a pitch standpoint, whether that's um, on a churn analysis standpoint, whatever that may be, we need to identify that. So 
also asking the TED analysis or the questions, it's really like dissecting the pain point. Because if they don't see that they have any pain, like it's really, really hard to diagnose them to say, hey, you need clothes because of this, or you need this product because of this, right? So asking open-ended questions, which is what the TED questions are, it is very meaningful and it gets the prospect to open up a little bit more. Yeah, I love that. And the other thing that as my ears were hearing it, I would respond well to is it is just normal conversation. You know, tell me about (laughs) your your win-loss analysis. Describe your sales cycle, right? Like I'm not asking for... Or this doesn't, again, it doesn't sound robotic. It doesn't sound like an interrogation. Yeah. It's actually something that, you know, is very kind of conversational, which makes the most sense, I think, for top of the funnel dialogue to begin with. Yeah. Because when what I tell my SDRs is like, you don't want to just sell, right? Like, we're not here to have you sign on a dotted line. We're here to identify if this is even worth your time. If it's not, it's okay. You know, we can shake hands and part ways as friends, but I don't want to waste your time as an executive, whether that's a senior director, whether that's a VP, whether that's an SVP, like whatever it is, right? Like I don't want to have my team waste their time. So in order to dissect to the real problem, then we need to ask some of these open-ended questions to ensure that they can identify what is the pain that we can solve. Yeah, I love that. And I love that mantra, by the way. And I think that this would be a good takeaway for anyone listening to this podcast, especially as we're recording it here in uh, Q1 2023. Now more than ever, we need to win. Um, I think below that statement, tell me if I'm wrong, there's a lot more implied. Would you agree with that that's a statement for the times, largely because we need to do more with less? We might not need to like go after and and do scorched earth and as much volume <laughs> yeah. as possible, right? Because if winning matters, then conversion rates matter even more. Absolutely. Which I actually like that you brought up conversion rates because here at Close, at least how I'm like focusing on enabling the team is to ensure that their quality outweighs the quantity of the people that they're reaching out to. I how hold do you my measure SP- that, by the way? Um, so we do track our um, opportunities from set to op, op to closed one. Okay. And we start identifying, obviously, we want to go through strike zone, right? So we want to make sure that we're hitting our strike zone accounts, but also to increase our TAM, we want to be a little bit flexible there because we've also had people close that aren't in our strike zone, right? And as we're creating a category, you've got to be a little bit more open to wanting to kind of go outside of our boundaries of what strike zone is. Um, But definitely looking into the closed one rate. So what we're striving for, um, so last quarter, I think we got about 8% because we had one that just couldn't close. But we're trying to hold the SDR team to a 15% win rate. For an enterprise team, I think that's pretty good. Obviously, if it's more transactional, that, that percentage goes up. But holding the SDR team accountable to the quality of conversations that we're having, the quality of meetings that we are executing on and setting for the AEs and not wasting any of their time, right? Because time's money. And the more we can set the AEs up for success, the more valuable the SDR teams are going to look and the more we can grow as an SDR team. Because you don't want to be an SDR team that just strives to get sets and ops, but they don't quite go anywhere, right? Because then there's no ROI to the team. So that's how we measure it right now. We did bring in a few people internally to look at the strategy of 
closed and, and what that looks like. So I think as we progress in the year, we'll have more data behind that. But yeah. right now, it's just opt to close is how we do that. And then we also analyze all the calls that we're setting up and what are the industries that are closing more? What are the personas we should be reaching out to just to ensure that both parties are set up for success? Yeah, that's really interesting. Quick clarification question. So on those kind of like 15% win rates, um, you're actually comping and watching like a hawk that number, which technically the SDRs don't control firsthand, but they yeah. do control with feeding the AEs the, the, the right opportunities. Yeah, so that's a good question, actually. So they do get comped on ops. Um, and if you're an SDR one here at Closed, you get comped on ops and you get comped on meetings held, right? So if you have four ops, you should have five meetings held. Great conversion rate. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but we want to see that, right? Um, if you're an SDR two, you're solely based off of ops, but they do get a kickback if it's Closed one. So it's not so much in their compensation, but it's a kickback. It's an extra like, you know, bonus that they can get. And it really has helped the SDRs be more involved in the sales process. Um, since implementing that, I'm seeing the SDRs ask where their deal's at. Is there anything I can do? Is there um, an email I need to send out? Where's everything going? Is it unscoping? How did that call go? They're just more involved, which also sets them up for success going into an account executive role, right? Like for they're sure. sitting in on these calls. They're understanding the talk tracks, talk tracks, right? AEs don't have talk tracks. And so it's been really, really helpful and they've loved it. That's great. Do you also have them kind of like setting N plus one or additional meetings with additional buyers in the buyer cycle, the buying cycle? So you mean through the sales cycle? Yeah. Different. Yeah. So they'll some they'll sometimes sit on the scoping calls. They'll sit on to like, you know, the closing calls. Yeah. They will do that. Especially I am encouraging it more with the tenured reps that are like, six months away from going to an account executive role so that they really understand what are some of the questions I should be asking this far out? Because as an SDR, you don't ask those questions, right? It's very high level, making sure there's a pain point. Is there something that we can solve? So I am encouraging that. And also as they get closer to becoming an AE, I'm asking them to run discovery calls with us, any calls to better their talk tracks just a little bit more to get more comfortable, right? Yeah. Because I, don't, I want them to be able to have the executive presence to be in front of a CF, a CRO or a CCO or a CPO and to be able to hold their composure, to be able to answer their questions and not kind of stumble around. They're probably going to, right? We all did it. But at least to be able to hold their composure and represent closed very well. And that's probably a fine line to walk to on that front Largely because you said it yourself, right? Like the SDRs aren't the ones closing the deals. They're the ones, you know, setting the table and, and being the first kind of ones in. We call it a sales cycle for a reason. Where do you come off on like what the right kind of information that you're comfortable with your SDRs passing about product price, competitors, you know, the kind of natural questions that come up in... Customers don't have the script. You know what I mean? Like yes. prospects don't have the script. They'll ask, <laughs> if they're interested, they'll ask a lot of buying questions real early on. Right, exactly. Pricing is a little touchy for me because we do it on an interview basis, right? So we have to do the scoping calls for a reason because we need to identify with how many deals that you have monthly and yearly to identify what is actually going to be impactful to your business because Got it's it. such a consultative approach on the 
close like SD, I'm sorry, the AE and then the consultants, which essentially they're like a customer success team because they're going to do all of that. I don't feel comfortable with the SDRs asking for pricing. So I always divert to, hey, I, I, it's definitely more of like an interview basis, right? Like how many interviews do you need? But that's something our product expert can answer for you in a deeper dive conversation or during the discovery call where it makes more sense to have those conversations potentially. And, and a great reason for having a meeting in the first place <laughs> and taking absolutely. the conversation forward. Yeah. And I think too, um, before they actually send it over to the AE, to, uh, to give you actually a good understanding. So when I first came into close, a lot of it was, hey, do you want to take a meeting? Great, let's go. Right. And that really hurts our conversion rate. Yeah. So the first goal that I had was just listening to that. And I'm like, okay, we got to change this approach. You guys have got to ask more consultative like questions. You need to ask more prescriptive questions. You need to really understand the why and what their pain point is. And so some of them are actually getting a lot better at that. It's definitely a craft, right? We talked about craft earlier. It's something that you've got to perfect with experience. Um, and honestly, I don't think that there's ever a pitch that's perfect, right. but perfected as best as we can. And so we try to at least ask, do they, do they have a CRM, right? Are they able to pull lists? So sometimes people can't even do that. And it's not really a good use case for us if they can't pull effective lists for us to then go call out and um, conduct some of these interviews to really get the buyer feedback and insights. But we don't even only just go to the buyer feedback, right? We also identify churn analysis. We identify the people that we didn't win, right? Uh, why did they decide to go to a competitor? And so we want to always identify Salesforce that they have that they can pull lists. We want to identify that revenue size as a company is about 100 million. We've, we've definitely gone a little bit less than that. And it works, but and we eat our own sandwich here at close, right? We do our I own loss phrase. analysis. Yeah. And so um, those are some of the things that we look for. And also if they're a decision maker or one away from the decision maker. Because I think it's important to have a decision maker on, but I think it's just as important to leverage a champion. I have seen so many deals and I have ran so many deals where the champion pushed it all the way. Right. Yep. And and they saw the value, they pushed for it and they got it. So I think it's leveraging having like a happy medium of like decision maker and champion. And if they see the outcome and how it can be, then they'll be able to project that to the decision makers and the people that are going to sign off. I really like that. And you know, you're in a I think it's probably worth putting onto the podcast or or getting on tape, if you will. You know, closed is it's kind of very meta, right? Because you're in a sense, like your product, air quotes product, um, is interviewing. It's basically, you know, calling up like those that have either won or lost in deal cycle at the end and then providing that information back to businesses so they can make, you know, value based decisions of how to recreate the wheel or how to like do things smart. Talk tracks, anything, right? Like on the churn side, why did they churn? Is it a product issue? Can we go to the product team? And I mean, honestly, it is a software as a service, right? It is a product because we have a whole dashboard that shows why you win or lose. And they're able to tap into that through all the Salesforce data that we have and really analyze where are the goals that we need to set for this fiscal year or the next fiscal year or for mid-year, whatever it may be, to ensure that we can accelerate our business 
And it really does dissect that. It's really actually interesting how it's done. And I think we have like a 20% response rate, right? So sometimes people are like, oh, we're already doing that. But the amount of information that they can take, change it into like tangible insights and really like get to the nitty and gritty and put that into like a summary or just like on the win-loss analysis summary, it's pretty impressive. And there's been many times where when Close does it, we get a win-back opportunity because we found out that it really was timing, right? And I think being in sales, when I was an account executive, sometimes I didn't want to maybe show that I dropped the ball somewhere and someone puts it on Salesforce as they went dark, right? I think a lot of AEs can do that and resonate. And if they say no, they're probably lying. There has been one time for sure that they have done that. Now, more than ever, I think Salesforce is hygiene needs to be better now more than ever, right? To really analyze these this data, but it really gives a really prescriptive approach as to why they they just maybe didn't even go with us. And sometimes it's not the product. It's just, we got to reach back out in a month. Right, right. I think that that's really interesting. And, and you, you've mentioned now too there, you know, kind of timing and leveraging a champion. Are there other insights that had you not used your own service, you would not have realized about your own deal, deal cycles, especially any learnings or insights that you've put to work specifically at the top of the funnel through your SDRs? Molding our talk tracks to adapt to the current economy. Uh. What is going to resonate most with our clients, with our prospective clients? What? Ooh, that's a hard one because Close does... They get a lot of insight. It's almost um, like you can't separate it. <laughs> well, you when you're so used to it, it's right? really hard, right? Because it's almost like a non-negotiable. Too, I would yeah. think. Yeah. Um, I think there was a study or like they gathered insights. And between 2021 and 2022, the amount of deals that were closed lost due to economic factors drastically increased. Yeah. And so... How are you going to identify that without a win-loss analysis, right? I, I can't tell you how many times, even when I was an SDR before a leader and an AE, like I never knew sometimes why I lost my deal. I can do med pick, customer-centric selling, gap selling, whatever you want to do. Sometimes they're just not willing to tell you why they didn't go with you. And yeah. they don't want to tell you your baby's ugly. And I would love to hear that, right? But it's kind of taboo. And so... When you're so used to getting these insights, it's actually kind of hard to say like, what if you didn't have your product? How do you how do you look for this? I would be very reliant on Salesforce to be completely honest, yeah. is making sure the Salesforce hygiene is there. And so do you find yourself, and, and if I'm shooting blanks or kind of way off base, please course correct me, but it seems to me like one of the, the use cases for something like economic factors would be, hey, first to the objection wins. Like, let's move that up in the talk track. Let's get to like the elephant in the room, so to speak, earlier as opposed to later um, in any deal flow. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I think, and this goes back to really studying the personas you're reaching out to. Yeah. Right? Um, What do they care about today? They may have cared about something last year, but they may not, that may not be top of mind this year. Right? So getting all those insights. And I think that's also where, let's just say you don't have something like closed, right? That's where some of those TED questions can come in. 
hey, tell me a little bit more about what are your goals for FY23 or FY24, wherever you know your fiscal year starts. Can you describe to me what are some of the roadblocks that you're going through day in and out, right? Asking more prescriptive questions in hopes that it'll get you to where you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. And then also having, I always say that the SDR role is impossible because you're calling into roles that you've never done yourself. Yeah. But on the flip side, I've also also always say that the SDR role has the biggest unfair advantage in that when I'm on the buy side, this CMO talks to um, an SDR that talks to more CMOs than anyone else, like by function of their job every single day. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like the the juxtaposition of like, well, what, how can you trade on information? How can you make yourself valuable? Mm-hmm. Because you get to talk to the same, you you said it yourself just a second ago, study those personas, know them well, know the problems, know what they're talking about, know what's top of mind, because you're talking to so many of that persona every single day. Absolutely. I think some of the top performers that I see as an S and I've been in many organizations, right? And I see myself when I didn't know how to do the job, I really focused on my self-development, right? And some of the best SDRs that turned into AEs really focused on their self-development, right? How do I need to understand the product? What calls do I need to get into? What AEs do I need to talk to? What SDRs are leading on the board that I can replicate? I always say this, like the leaders are there to enable and lead, right? But your true success really comes from within and really focusing on your self-development. And I try to preface it on my SDRs and they're doing a great job, but some are easier to grasp that than others. And that's normal, right? Not everyone is made the same. But you know, if I had an advice for anyone that's starting in an SDR role, it's really focus on your self-development. Read Fanatical Prospecting. That was the first book I read as an SDR. Love it. Jeb Blunt. And yes. And you know, sometimes it does take 90 days. It's not transactional. You're not going to get the responses that you want right away. But everything you do today is going to reflect your next day, your next week, your next month, and your next quarter. Sometimes, I remember when I was an SDR, even an AE, sometimes it was like a year of yeah. nurturing, right? It's it's having that grit and the persistence to continue to push. And that's actually one of the first books that I always tell my SDRs to read. Like, this is really going to tell you like truly how to prospect, why it takes so long, why sometimes like your outputs really do matter. Recommendation right off of that too, the book Grit by Angela Duckworth. Grit also. is so good. I actually so good. met her. She was at, was it, an? I think it was a Workfront SKO or it was a Leap, which was where like the growth le- reps went. She's amazing. And I love, I think I've read that like twice now. And I try to go back to it because sometimes, you know, when you're feeling down and out, you're like, why do I feel like I'm just not achieving my goals, right? Going back to the basics of like, what do I need to focus on? Yeah. What do I need to eliminate? Maybe there's some goals that are a little bit lower on my totem pole that I need to kind of set aside and really identify what my true goal is or what I need to like persevere towards to get to where I want to be. Love Grit by Angela Duckworth. She's also amazing. Yeah, such good advice. In fact, it's so funny. If you're going to focus on anything as a sales development rep, self-development. 100%. <laughs> Development's in the name. It's in the title. It it is. And like, it's sometimes it's so hard for people to understand that, right? They're like, oh, my leader is just talking about this, this, and this. And I'm like, 
you've got to take it in your own hands. Like I've loved all my leaders that I've had from IC to AE to leadership, right? But at the end of the day, I'm not where I am today because of them. They were definitely a part of it, right? They mentored me. They got me to where I needed to be. They gave me the feedback. I improved upon it. But it was me getting out of my comfort zone, right? And I always tell my SDRs this, like, if you are comfortable, you will not succeed. Yeah. You've got to get uncomfortable. You've got to push through the two objections, right? Like I go to networking events sometimes on my own and I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to do this, right? I'm going to get to know other leaders. I need to pick their brains. I am a huge advocate of like mentoring people and also being mentored. And I reach out to a lot of people I look up to and say, hey, let's go to a lunch. I need to pick your brain on something or reaching out to someone I've really looked up to in the past and and spitballing ideas on like, hey, how can I be better? How can I push my team to do this? Because I'm also working on my self-development, right? So I think that's huge. You know, it's so funny you mentioned that because one of our other podcast guests, and um, for those listening to this, go look up the episode with Philip Hum because he talks about constructive embarrassment which is the deliberate act of putting yourself in an embarrassing situation simply to learn oneself and one's response mechanisms and what one's breathing, one's like reactions to, you know, going up and giving a stranger a high five in the middle of the street, like laying down in the middle of a restaurant (laughs) yeah, and and seeing what happens. Like, yeah. So at any rate, I I love that pushing through and getting through kind of that comfort zone. It's very thematic and and I think just great advice. Yeah. And I think too, um, there's been so many times that, you know, I go to a client when I was an AE, for example, and I would go to an event with clients that I've only really talked to on the phone and now they have their whole team there. It is a little uncomfortable because now you're representing your company And maybe we're having a few drinks and you don't want to say something that's going to ruin that, right? And so, yeah, it is. It is very uncomfortable. But I think it's also really important to put yourself in those situations because you're going to learn. You're going to make mistakes. Do not be afraid of making mistakes. I actually encourage my team. If you don't make mistakes, you're not going to learn, right? It's okay if a C-level got mad at you, right? Like we'll we'll figure it, we'll listen to the call, we'll try to identify what happened. Most of the time, it's probably not your fault, right? Maybe they're busy and you caught them at the wrong time or maybe you didn't do enough research to resonate with what you know they're passionate about. But don't be afraid to make mistakes because I have made plenty of mistakes. I've been given advice. I've been navigated through different scenarios where, hey, Parveen, maybe you should have done it this way. Great. I love that feedback. Um, And I'm a huge proponent of having candor between me and an SDR, right? I'm not the type of leader to say that my way is the right way. I'm here to humble myself and say, hey, let's try that out, right? Like we are growing as an organization. If it's working for you, let's try it out with a small group of people. If it's working for them, let's talk about it for the whole team. I'm definitely a type of leader that I'm like, I'm not going to tell you that I'm right all the time. Let's try it your way. I love that. Boy, we we just hit on kind of like three of the most unobvious kind of like things or ingredients, if you will, for SDR success. Grit, getting out of your comfort zone and candor when it comes to, you know, like (laughs) keeping it real with the role. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And honestly, I think as 
as an SDR leader, and you know, to all the other SDR leaders that are maybe getting into it right now, if, you know, if your leader gives you some feedback, like really take that and improve upon it. I know it's really easy to get into like a fight or flight mode and say like, oh, I can't believe, you know, my leader said that. But try it out. You know, I mean, you don't have to be a yes man, yes woman, whatever. But try to also understand the perspective of why, right? I always, you know, for example, when hiring for SDRs, I always find out their why. Same goes for this. Like, hey, John, he's my VP. Like, why do you feel this way? Why do you think I need to do it this way? Sometimes it's good to just better to understand the way that they think rather than just having like a wall up and being a little bit defensive. And that's where I think some of your growth comes from, right? It's like, how do you take feedback and how do you act upon it, right? And sometimes you may not agree with that feedback. How do you overcome that a little bit? I love that. In fact, I think it's such a healthy habit to get into and that asking of why or or my favorite way of actually saying that or rephrasing it applicable to almost every situation is what makes you say that? You know, like getting yeah. like right to the heart of like that person contextualizing the statement, the answer, the feedback, whatever they just gave you. Absolutely. And I think also why is important, right? Like yeah. the books start with why is great. Love and that. They try to, Simon Sinek is actually like one of my favorite authors because I'm a servant leader and I love the book Leaders Eat Last. When I'm hiring SDRs, I try to identify why do you want to be in this role? Yeah. And sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's like money driven, which why are we in sales, right? Like, of course it's money driven, but I think it's like really understanding like the core value as to why is this job so meaningful to you? Mm -hmm. And I try to identify that by asking them like a deeper question. Like if they're like, well, of course money. And I'm like, okay, well, what about money that excites you, right? Like why money? And for me, like if you ask me my why, right? Like we actually did this exercise at Service Titan and it was what, like, what is your why? And let's focus on one thing. And um, I'm going to try and not get emotional here, but it's basically... I want to be a VP of sales development in like two to three years, right? That's like my why right now. And I have like seven deep layers that it goes into that, right? It's because I want to fulfill another step in my career. It's because my kids will see that hard work pays off because my kids are my why. Um, Because it mentally keeps me moving forward because I want my kids to go to great colleges, right? Like my parents did a lot for me. I want to I want to reciprocate, right? Because I want my kids to grow up with an amazing upbringing without entitlement, right? Like everything is earned. Yeah. But I want them to give them what they earned. And because I want to start investing in real estate and because I want to retire by 45. There's other things that are in there like I would love in the future to have like a consulting business. I want to start a podcast with my best friend, right? But those things will come. But it's not like the core value to my why. Um, so I always try to do that exercise with some of the people that were like hiring, like why? Why that? Yeah. Right. And it really opens up to how gritty they are, telling me potentially like they will do whatever it takes to get there because they truly understand the core value of why they want that specific goal. Why do they want that job? Why yeah. do they want to get into sales? Aside from money being a motivator, which I'm in sales for that reason, right? 
But it's so far deeper than that. Well, you just gave a bunch of different dimensions kind of attached to money, but kind of not. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's the, like my core the, values, right? Like family is like my it's like my safe space and my place that I it's the people I don't want to let down. Yeah. And I wouldn't say it's like my I'm not afraid of failing, but I don't want to disappoint my family. Yeah. And so these are the things that keep pushing me forward, even when it's even when time, like, I mean, this year has been a challenge already, right? Like we're facing different things that we're not used to in a Q1 of, of a year. And those are the things that push me through to say, no, I'm going to continue to push forward. Yeah. I love that. Boy, that, that's some great kind of like extrapolation advice and modeling that people who are listening to this can do for themselves to find their own whys and really justify kind of like, What's in it for them? You know, mm-hmm. why we why we wake up in the morning every day and, and do do our roles to the best of our abilities. Yeah. Praveen, this has been a really great conversation. I, I look up and the time has just absolutely flown by. <laughs> Tell our listeners if they want to maybe p- continue the conversation, potentially yeah. apply for a job at closed, otherwise get in touch with you and, and learn more. Where should they go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am huge on mentoring. I mentor my SDRs to this day that have reported me in the past. And so I'm happy to be a mentor if you want me to be a mentor. I'm happy to get on a quick phone call to discuss about if you're just getting into sales development, what are the things that I would recommend? So I would say first and foremost, connect with me on LinkedIn. I would recommend if you're going to connect with me on LinkedIn, put a blurb on there. So I know that it's you know, maybe from this podcast, anything that I can like put my eyes to, because with all the connections that I get, sometimes it's like really hard to identify who really wants to talk to me or what are sales pitches. And I think Connect especially, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think especially um, on like the win loss side, right? Or if you want to join Close, apply online, reach out to me, let me know. We are definitely hiring for SDRs and many different roles. So reach go to our career page. And for closed in general, if anyone's listening out there and you guys want to better understand, you know, why are win rates lower than normal? Why are you guys losing or winning? Or how can you guys win more? Go to our website, try to submit for like a demo or a talk with us. Or if you want, reach out to me and I'm happy to make that introduction with the sales team. Yeah. And that's C-L-O-Z-D.com. Correct. Yes. So. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Hey, the marketer in me couldn't help myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, I love it. Well, this has been a a great conversation. Praveen, thanks again. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. And again, everyone, if you want to connect and geek out on SDR stuff, I'm happy to. So thanks for having me. 